What is up guys? This is All The Smoke on Strength and Physique with your hosts, Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all who are betting themselves with fitness. Welcome back to All The Smoke on Strength and Physique. Today, we're just going to go over some FAQ, some frequently asked questions that Chris and I normally get either through in-person personal training either me, you know, teaching classes, us on our online clients, whatever it may be. We just thought it would be a really good episode to have, you know, the most frequently asked questions and address those um, specifically for you, for our listeners, and hopefully give you some good insight on some of these questions. And I think, again, if you have that question, a lot of other people have that question, they just haven't asked yet. So I think, Chris, one of the more important questions that I always get, and I just made a post on it was soreness. Right. A lot of people, they feel like, hey, if I'm not getting sore, I'm not working out hard enough or I'm not doing enough. Um, and they think that the program's broken and then they start yo-yo hopping with programs. So first, what do you think on that? And then I can kind of chime in on it as well. So honestly, I never even worry about muscle soreness. Uh, usually, depending on if a person's like really struggling with a certain movement, for example, um, let's say we do some type of squat, uh, or we'll say back squat, and then we'll do some type of deadlift after and their, their back will start to feel it. Um, that's when I'll be like, yeah, like you're probably going to feel it like really bad in your lower back. It's normal. It's going to be really tight. You're using muscles that you're not used to, or you're using muscles in a way that you really haven't had to use before, but that's the only time I'll really mention muscle soreness. Uh, it, it, I guess with new clients too, I'll mention it and I'll sort of try to get their feedback on it because it's a very good indicator of how much more we can do. I'm not going to try to like kill, like I'm not going to put someone through my workout if they've never stepped into the gym before. So if someone's never stepped into the gym before, that's usually when I'll ask questions about muscle soreness. But other than that, it just goes on like a session to session basis if they're if something's really bothering them. And other than that, I'm just going to expect them to not get soreness or soreness. And if they do, then it's just something that happens randomly. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Like, this is not something that I'm chasing for, but it is, again, like you said, a, a good indicator of, you know, where we're at, what you can handle. Um, and the one research article that we learned in neuromuscular um, was right. They literally took these muscle soreness or they took a lot of these biological or not biological, physiological indicators of muscle damage and soreness you would think would lead to muscle damage, but that wasn't the case. That correlation was there pretty much the data was all over the place. So soreness is a poor indication of right growth progress. Um, and is usually due to, because, Hey, you've done too much too soon. Or again, like you said, it's a new exercise or something you have not done in a very long time or just as new in, in itself for you. So again, soreness is, I think, again, a poor indicator of progress in itself because then there's something called the repeat about effect. And I think, again, if you apply it to anything in life, particularly with us, with, you know, tracking nutrition, um, that sometimes becomes a huge stressor. But you notice after one to two weeks, it's not a stressor. It's normal to you. So think of the same thing with anything in the weight room. The more you squat, the less likely you are going to pretty much get sore because again, now your body is accustomed to that behavior and it impacts you less. So 
that I think again, if your body is trying to protect itself from soreness, I it's hard for me to, I guess, conceptualize why that would even be an indicator of growth, progress, or even something why we should even chase. Something that I actually just thought of that it's not technically how you feel it after the workout. I would say it's more important how you're feeling it during the workout. Because like I just said, it's the, like when I, it's a very common one. I'm sure there's plenty of examples. This is the first one to come to mind when someone's back squatting and then they go into a, some type of deadlift variation and they, they really feel it in their back. It's like, okay, we got to add like back extensions to the program. And maybe we'll do that on upper body days too, just to get more frequency in your back until your, your erectors or your back just catches up a little bit more. I would say that's more important in my opinion is just how you're feeling during the workout. Yeah. And I think that's a good point because now it gives us a lot of cues of, Hey, maybe we're lacking on something. Maybe we need to, you know, manipulate volume or intensity throughout that workout. Um, and I think the most important thing is right. If soreness, if you're always sore, it always leaves me the question, how are you going to be able to perform the next day or the next week? Because if you're continuously sore, right, that intensity factor, that the effort factor is probably not going to be as high as we wanted to. And then again, you're just spinning your wheels and not being able to recover, which is, again, the most important thing for long-term growth and sustainability within anything that you do. So, again, soreness, is it, it's not a good indicator of growth progression, but it does give us some clues of maybe what we're lagging on um, or maybe something that we need to manipulate within your program. So, Chris, what is another FAQ that you get a lot of? So it's something I got recently, but it's also something that I'll experience. Someone will get sick. They'll have to take some time off. They're going on a family getaway for the weekend. They're worried about missing a workout or two, uh, or they're just going on like a 10, 14 day trip. And they're like, what do I do? I don't know if I'm going to be able to track my food, how I have been, or if I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if they have a gym or what they have at the gym. Like, what do I do? They start freaking out. What, do you, what approach do you, do you take with your clients, Adam? Yeah. So if somebody's, you know, going on a trip, a lot of the times with, you know, specifically tracking nutrition and stuff like that, if they are able to control for a lot of it, I'm okay. I'm like, hey, I'll give you, you know, breakfast, lunch, macros. We can go ahead and give yourself a free untracked meal. Um, and depending on their experience level, sometimes I'll even say, man, just take it as a, a, a diet break and don't even track a damn thing. Because again, food is culture, culture is life. I'm not enjoying life. We're doing something wrong here. I'd rather you enjoy those times away and get those memories rather than my gosh, I, I don't remember how many grams of carbohydrates I had for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because that's not something that you're going to want to remember, or you even should remember five, 10 years down the road for your fucking vacation, because it's a vacation. Enjoy your life. Um, and something else for, I guess, particularly for exercise, if they have a gym, I say, Hey, once you get there, send, send me a video. Let me know what you got. We'll kind of put something else together for you. And a lot of the times it's like some metabolic conditioning, some circuits, something that you could get in and out there 15, 30 minutes. Again, something's better than nothing. And then I really try to encourage, you know, walking places rather than taking the shuttle or stuff like that, just to increase activity via that way. Um, but that's, I guess what you, I usually do when I handle it, but understand that once you get back from vacation, you just get right back on the train and consistency over perfection is going to be the more, number one thing for me. And I think, again, really just trying to reiterate that message over and over again until they kind of understand that um, is my ultimate goal and my approach. Yeah. And something I'd want to touch on is 
every single person is going to be different when they're going away from vacation. So for the example, I think Adam was sort of talking about someone that's trying to cut, like they'll have to be more mindful of their food. But I've, I've had clients where I'm trying to increase calories and we're just trying to hit the gym, build muscle, really build a strong foundation because the, the individual has been at like a very low caloric amount for a very long time. So for that individual, I'm just like, listen, we got to listen to our hunger cues and how many meals have you been eating before, like in the past couple of weeks? And they'll be like three meals, four meals a day, uh, and then a snack. And I get a, like a large soda with my dinner. So I'm like, okay, so we're going to just try, like, we're going to have three to four meals. That's what we, we need to do. I'm going to send you, instead of tracking our macros, instead of tracking your weight, everything like that, I'm going to change everything. The macro section, I'll be like meal one, meal two, meal three, and it's going to have a yes or no. You either ate it or you didn't. I don't care if you had meal one and meal two at two o'clock and four o'clock in the afternoon. As long as you're getting your same meal frequency, that's what we're going to be okay with because- we're trying, we're trying to build that foundation. So it really depends on where you're currently at, where, what you're looking to do. Uh, someone that's a week out from a bodybuilding show is going to have to take a lot more serious approach than someone who is just trying to build muscle and just try to get overall more healthy. So Adam, our next one, pre-workouts, go ahead, touch on that. You know, so I think it's always funny when people ask me about pre-workouts because I used to work at GNC, used to be that guy that if you were a butthole to me, oh boy, I stole your pocket just because I didn't like the way you would treat some, some me particularly, or just, you know, the, the GNC environment or whatever it is. But, you know, pre-workout, I think it's going to depend on what you're looking for. If you're looking for a pump supplement, definitely look at something that's going to have, you know, some citrulline malate. Um, if you want some energy type of stuff obviously particularly with caffeine uh, but I think nowadays a lot of supplement companies are starting to put in theanine in there so you don't exhibit that crash with that that caffeine intake but it's been a while since I've actually looked at a lot of pre-workouts but again I think if you start a pre-workout and if you've never done a pre-workout don't do a full serving do a half a serving see if you how you respond I couldn't tell you how many times I sold a workout or somebody came in for a pre-workout at my time at GNC and they would come back literally the day of or the next day. I'm like, oh my God, I got so much energy or oh my God, my heart is still pounding out of my chest. And I'm like, yo, how many scoops did you do? Well, it said two. So I was like, well, I did four. I'm like, it's not what you're supposed to do. If anything, you want to build a tolerance. So no matter what you choose, if anything, do half of it or do the whole actual serving. Don't go above. Um, and I think, again, if you do an actual pre-workout, try to do cycles on and off four weeks on or use a tub and then take a week off. So, again, you can have that tolerance winding down from that week off and then you can go right back to it. Um, but I'm boring. I do a regular C4 because I'm very caffeine sensitive. And as you guys can probably tell, and I, Chris can vouch, I have plenty of energy. I don't need a lot of caffeine. Um, 160 grams probably will get me through the day. Something that I just love is that beta alanine. I just love that pins and needle, that slap in the face feeling because it just gets me going. And there's a lot of research that out there is allowing you to kind of push a little bit more volume and intensity and duration throughout your workout. Uh, but I just love the feeling. But specific pre-workout, again, if you're looking for a pump enhancement, look for specific pump enhancement ingredients like citrulline. Um, arginine is another one, but that's not backed up by a lot of research um, to actually improve vasodilation. Uh, but if again, if you're looking for a stimulant, 
make sure that your caffeine tolerance is able to handle the amount of caffeine that's in it. And, I yeah. think and I, I'd say that's the biggest intention. I think everyone wants a pre-workout, not because they think it's going to provide some like magical transformation during their workout or something like that. I think most people seek pre-workouts for the energy. And for that reason, I take a very simplistic approach. I ask, okay, why are you looking to take a pre-workout? Because what their intentions that it's going to provide them might be different than what I'm thinking that they're thinking of. So most people will say, I'm just looking for some energy. Like some days I come in and like, I just got out of a 10 hour shift. I'm just tired. I, I figured I'd take a pre-workout right before I get to the gym. And I was like, okay, in that case, like the nutrition shop or the gym that I work at, the nutrition shop, there's one next door. I'm like, they have dollar shots of pre-workouts. Just try some of those. There's like eight of them sometimes. Like just try them out, figure out which one you like, and then buy that one. Whatever one makes you feel good during your workout, that's the one you should go with. Now, Adam mentioned a whole bunch of other scientific stuff. Uh, and usually I'll try to push that side of things with the pre-workout. Because other than the energy boost, pre-workouts are pointless unless you're actually taking one with scientific, scientifically backed ingredients. Yeah. And just to kind of touch off on supplements in general, make sure that they're actually kind of, you know, transparent in their, their ingredients and not giving you a proprietary blend because with that proprietary blend, you have no idea what actually things are coming from. The only thing they're actually having to tell you is the amount of caffeine. So what I mean by proprietary blend, it's usually five grams and it just has a paragraph of ingredients. Really look for those transparent companies, labels that say, Hey, it's a, I got 3000 milligrams of this. I got five grams of this. So again, you actually know specifically what you're getting rather than just kind of guesstimating on certain things. So just be careful uh, with pre-workouts, especially if you've never done them before um, and try not to overdo it on them. Like Chris does with his normal daily caffeine intake. So Chris, another question <laughs> that we always get <laughs> And it's something that I think will always be in this fitness industry, exercise science realm is what type of diet should I be doing? Or what is the best diet? What's your approach to answering that? So usually when people ask me about it, because I don't preach specific diets, uh, usually people will be like, hey, my parents are starting car uh, keto or my my." My significant other, or my friend is starting keto and they're losing weight. Is that something I should be doing? And I'm like, listen, all diets are very specific to the individual. I was like, the science behind the initial weight loss behind keto is a lot of water weight because I explained that when you have carbs supplies the, the muscles with ATP, which is just another form of energy, if you're not aware, and that form of energy holds water into the muscle. So when you take that out, because that is largely, that is largely there because of the carbs in your diet, when you stop having carbs, that leaves the muscle. And when that leaves the muscle, the water that is very much attached to that will leave the muscle as well. So that's what I explain people with keto. Uh, if someone's just looking for an extra edge, uh, I'll usually just go onto the side of whatever you've been currently eating. That's what your body is adapted to. That's what your body responds best to. You'll crave carbs when you want carbs and you'll crave fats when you want fats. I was like, the main thing we need to focus on is protein. Whatever diet you are having better have a lot of protein in it. And if it doesn't have protein in it currently, then we need to add some. Uh, 
but that's the, the most common thing I hear with keto. Actually, I think that I can't really think of anyone asking me recently about any other diets besides keto. Have you, Adam? It's funny that you say that because carnivore, I just had a client call me. It's like, yo, I'm on this carnivore diet, which is pretty much another form of keto. Yeah. Um, but then I asked him, yo, how's your energy? How's your digestion? He's like, it's trash. I'm like, why are you doing it then, bro? He goes, well, the guy, I, I don't know. I forgot the actual guy's name. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. And he goes, well, he said he was doing it and he's strong as hell. And I'm like, you're not him, my man. He's like, yeah, I know. But like, look at him. I was like, I mean, I get it. He deadlifts all of this. But understand that, again, as you said, Chris, diets, and I even hate, I guess, use, utilizing that terminology, but diets in general are going to be an individual basis. What can you consistently adhere to? What consistently can you be consistent with so you can see long-term benefits? Anyone can do something for three months. Anybody can do something for a month and see some drastic change, but that pendulum is going to come back, swing back the other way and bite them in the ass. So again, do it slow and steady. More importantly, really ensure that you're, if you're trying to lose body fat, that you're in a deficit and your protein intake is 0.8 to 1.2 grams per body pound, uh, like Chris said. Um, and more importantly, that you're utilizing some sort of, you know, refeed strategy, diet break. So again, adherence is there for the psychological um, benefit of not trying to burn yourself out, inhibit, you know, metabolic adaptation, all of those things. But the best diet is the diet that you can stick to. It doesn't really matter if carbohydrates are high or if they're low, fats are high, or if they're low, as long as I would say is so, your fat is at least 25% of your calories. So again, fat soluble vitamins, hormonal health. Um, but the three principles of fat loss, as you guys have probably heard from our podcast with Bill Campbell is again, you can stay with it. It's sustainable. It's slow. So again, we're mitigating losing lean body mass, metabolic adaptation, and then proteins high in your resistance training. And that's another question I was going to bring up that Adam just touched on. Uh, so if you guys had this question, I'll just mention it and we'll move past it is, should I be eating more or less of carbs or fats? And as Adam said, if you're hitting a certain amount of fats, that's healthy, then that's good. If you're eating carbs, it's not going to make you gain weight or anything like that. And same with fats, not going to make you gain or lose weight. If you take one of them away. However, now I'm going to ask you this question, Chris, on the fly, how many clients, or do you start clients tracking? three macronutrients, or do you just say, Hey, let's just have a protein and calories. How are you kind of going about that? Oh, this is, you're going to like this one. So I am a firm believer. Like I said, the body responds with what it wants and what it's adapted to. So like I said, if, if someone is going to, if their body's craving carbs, they're going to crave carbs. Like if they eat a higher carb diet, they're not going to just randomly start eating a low carb diet because they're going to feel like crap. They're going to, they're going to crave those carbs. So if I start tracking with someone, it's usually that they can handle it. It's not too much to add to their plate. They're very comfortable with it. And I'll just have them track on the app, on any app. And usually that'll track all three macros. Now, with that information, all I'm worried about is if they're hitting their calories and protein, because those are the two biggest thing that will impact your physique. Now, like fat and carbs, I'll monitor those but mainly just make sure they're getting a healthy amount. Like um, if their energy is low and they're eating like 10% of their calories from carbs, like, okay, let's try at least increasing carbs a little 
and you might gain some energy. And same with fat. Like if they're eating no fat because they think that'll make them get fat or gain weight, or they're, they're not eating fat because they think it's going to help them lose weight. And I'm like, listen, like this is not healthy. Like our endocrine system is very reliant on fats and our body really needs those to operate appropriately. So honestly, I always focus on uh, calories and protein only. I have physique competitors that I'll do like all three macros. But with that being said, we've spent like a month of them just eating how their body wants to eat and just tracking their food so that we can get sort of a reset and see what their body likes. If it likes higher carbs, see what it feels best on. So what about you, Adam? Do you take a different approach with your clients? Um, and obviously, it's, I hate to say it, but it's going to depend. But I think, you know, the overwhelming hierarchy that I, I like to follow is, you know, just building some conscious dietary awareness um, of you just like understanding what you're eating, either that being, you know, some people have to write their things down in a food journal. Some people, like you said, and I think now it being 2021, people just track calories uh, in a food app. And I say sometimes, hey, we just need to build that habit of just tracking calories. I don't even care about protein at that, that margin. But to go from, you know, again, dietary awareness, tracking your calories, then we go ahead, track macros. Um, and then we want to, again, just kind of see what the results are with doing that. And then we can kind of get a little bit more specific in that nature. Uh, but predominantly, I always ask the client, hey, what would you rather choose? What would you rather do? Or I kind of present it to them, hey, these are the, the macros that I've kind of developed on these three, and this is how I kind of calculate them. Or again, here's your calories and here's a protein goal. Run with what you want to choose. So I like to give, again, a lot of autonomy to my clients, uh, but more importantly, educating them throughout how I accumulated uh, these three macronutrients and the caloric goal. Um, and then understanding that, hey, education is going to drive adherence. And throughout that, it's, it's all up to them at the end of the day. And with that being said, let's transfer away from nutrition because a lot of people miss that one where they're trying to lose weight. And I get this question a lot. How much cardio should I be doing? Like I have weight loss goals. Shouldn't I be running like 10 times a week? Like once in the morning, once in the midday. And like, oh, I got to do fasted cardio though. Cause that's God. And then I got to do it like right before bed too. I got to run. Cause that's going to burn all the calories. What, what do you do about that, Adam? Man. So I always try to hit it on the head early. That cardio is just a tool to create a deficit. Obviously we need it to improve cardiovascular health. And if we're not healthy, we're dead. And if we're dead, who cares about our physique? So more importantly, I try to achieve either objective goals via steps or via just net activity, if they're not stepping and they'd rather bike or swim or anything like that, I'm like, hey, how many minutes are you doing currently? Okay, well, let's maybe up it up a little bit. Or again, let's let the deficit kind of drive what we do and manipulate with our cardio. But cardio, again, it's a tool. It's not necessary. I'd rather preach an active lifestyle because again, that'll improve you know longevity, that'll improve cardiovascular health, metabolic health, that'll improve all of these things. And again, if you time it right, have you have heard our episode with Lauren Collin, right? You can get a holistic approach. And I really try to do habit stacking after every meal, just so digestion and you don't feel as bloated and you kind of feel more awoke after post-meal, post-cranium, just go on for a five, 10 minute walk. And then I also try to instill with a lot of my clients that sit at a desk job is, hey, 
every three hours, just set an alarm, try to get up, try to move, do some, you know, mobility exercises or more importantly, just walk. Um, but understand cardio, I, I typically don't prescribe. The thing that I do enjoy prescribing is GPP, which is general physical preparedness. It's pretty much like car, car, I would can classify it almost as CrossFit, but with weights, I pick like a, a push, a pull, a leg, and then maybe some sort of cardio movement that gets your heart rate up. But again, it's more of that metabolic conditioning. There's more of a transfer transfer over to a lot of our resistance training exercises uh, rather than treating you like a hamster and say, hey, get on that treadmill or go on a bike, and stuff like that. I'd rather it keep it interesting and enjoyable for you at the end of the day. And I think, again, that's a form of GPP that can utilize for a lot of people. Yeah, Adam, Adam, blah. Adam nailed everything on point there. The only thing I'd like to touch on is I actually never add cardio right away until I get an idea of the person's nutritional habits, because you guys got to realize if you're not fueling your body appropriately, just to function on a normal day-to-day basis, adding a whole bunch of stress and adding a whole bunch of cardio, stress being the cardio, you're probably doing you more harm than good. Yes. You might get some benefits in a while from it. However, if you're trying to change your physique and you're already eating a very low calorie amount, adding cardio is going to make it so much worse. So that leads us into one last question that I get pretty often. Should I be stretching? Do you, what do you, what approach do you take with this, Adam? Um, I always say, you know, stretching is not going to improve mobility or stability. It's just going to improve your tolerance in that specific position. So again, Hey, if stress is something that allows you to de-stress, I'm all for it. But if it's something that you're doing to increase range of motion, or I, I really don't know if, or if you're trying to do it as a warm up, I'm, I'm not a fan of actually doing that for a warm up because static stretching is like stretching a cold rubber band. And if you stretch a cold rubber band, it's going to snap. Um, and it's probably going to inhibit a lot of the power output and the strength that you're able to kind of input within your workout. Um, but I'm for stretching, you know, I've actually started doing five, 10 minutes, uh, right before I go to bed. And just for me, it was just like a, a form of meditation. It's something that I did a lot when I was younger and it just feels good. And if it feels good, do it. But I would say time it appropriately. That is either after your workout, not saying it's going to improve recovery. Um, just to kind of, again, get into that parasympathetic nervous system and kind of relax a little bit. Um, or maybe even doing it right before you go to bed. So again, that's a form of building that, Hey, it's time to wind down. It's time to relax and stuff like that. But do you need to stretch? Technically no, but is it going to hurt you only if you do it before you have some type of explosive exercise in your workout? Yeah. And I just want to touch on that. Like it's not required. Like a lot of people think if, if you want to increase your tolerance in certain ranges of motion, and increase your flexibility that you have to stretch. And although uh, that might be true to an extent, a lot of us right here that you might be listening to this is also lifting weights. And if you're doing the right movements with lifting weights, you're going to be stretching yourself and you're going to have a load attached to it. So it's it's probably going to provide a little bit more benefits. So there's research out there that there's lots of research out there that states that uh, you put someone on a stretching program and a resistance training program, both are going to increase ranges of motion. Um, so, so you don't have to stretch guys. Uh, if you're 
depending on the individual, if you need to, then, then you can go ahead and get that taken care of. So that is all the smoke on strength and physique. Some frequently asked questions that we get guys. If you guys have any specific questions that you'd like to ask us and like us to address, um, I think we'll probably start to do this bi-monthly once a time, just to kind of see, Hey, what common questions are we continuously getting from new clients, other clients that we're consistently having, or even just from DM messages or in-person conversations that we kind of have. So that's what we'll kind of do for you guys. So again, specific questions, anything like that, don't be afraid to send this to him on Instagram. I am at the coach AI. Chris Doobie is at alpha Schmidt. So make sure you follow that as well. Um, and again, make sure you guys are also hitting that like subscribe button and sharing this podcast. If you guys are listening to us, tag us so we can kind of give you guys a shout out and let them know that all the smoke is being blown here and we are getting better at our fitness and nutrition goals.